Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Excellent. Well, my name's JD. I'm part of the team here at City Life. And, uh, oh, today's going to be interesting. And, uh, in fact, I feel the need. I, I want to start with prayer because I just, I'm, I'm going to need it. We're going to need it. And so uh, I'm going to start with that. But thank you, Jesus. Whew, thank you, Jesus, for what you want to do today. God, we just align ourselves with you right now. I thank you that you are stronger than anything that would come against us. Uh, that as we fight to follow you, God, you are the overcomer and you make us overcomers. And I thank you that today we can find freedom in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The first time that I encountered a demon, I was 16 years old. I'm not, I'm not joking. Uh, I was at a party and uh, hanging out with friends upstairs and decided to go down and see what was happening downstairs. And two girls were hanging out downstairs playing a board game. And I said, what board game is this? And he said, oh, it's called a Ouija board. And I hadn't really heard much about it. Oh, what is it? What do you do? And they're like, oh, well, it's really cool. We we're talking to a spirit right now, and we ask questions, and it'll spell out things or yes or no, and it's doing it. We're not moving it. Yeah, right. No, really, we're not moving it with our own hands. It's guiding us, and we're having this conversation. Do you want to see? I was like... I don't know, it's pretty weird. Like, like, what do you mean? They're like, well, we'll ask it a question, and uh, let's see what it says. And so they ask a question, and it starts to, and it just spells gibberish. And they're like, oh, that was weird. Okay, let's try a different one. Let's ask a different question. They ask another question, and uh, it, again, just spells gibberish. They're like, this is weird. It was working so well a minute ago. What's going on? They're like, oh, I know, I know. Let, it's a conversation. Let's ask it. Spirit, what is the matter right now? And all of a sudden, it spells out, scared. And, you know, I'm like, well, that's weird. And they're like, that's weird. This is scared. You're scared? Are you scared because JD's here? And it immediately goes to yes. Now, I'm 16. I'm not, I, 18 was when I really got right with Jesus. So, yes, I believed in Jesus. Yes, I was kind of following him. But he wasn't like a major part of my life. But I was sat there in that moment, and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Maybe the supernatural is a little more real than I realized. And I wasn't even like, woo, Jesus at the time, and yet there's something suspicious and sneaky about what I'm seeing and incredibly powerful on the other end that would make a demon, which is what it is, scared simply because Jesus in me was in the room with it. In 2001, I was, uh, we were, it was youth group, uh, it was finished, we were praying for someone uh, who just had some physical health issues, and we're praying for this girl, and she, I don't know how to explain other than, I guess, started manifesting, if that's the right word, but basically, like, her whole demeanor changed, and her voice, and it, like, it was weird, and this was the first time I had really experienced this, and didn't know what to do, so we, me and the person praying were like, ah, oh, well, let's just pray for whatever this is in Jesus' name, and we prayed over her, and it leaves. 
2010, I get a call from a friend uh, who says, hey, I have a family member who's acting really strange right now, uh, really aggressive. Our family doesn't know what to do. Can you come over? I said, okay. I call somebody, and I said, you got to come with me. I don't want to go alone. And we're, we're driving over there. We're reading our Bibles. We're praying over ourselves, trying to prepare ourselves. And we go in, and all, you know, a lot happened, but I clearly remember this guy, taller than me, uh, being restrained by his parents uh, as I'm, I'm like praying the word of God over him, and he's like trying to physically attack me. It was very intense. And then to see uh, freedom happen in his life that night. 2015, we're praying around a fire at a men's event uh, for someone to be freed. Uh, they're, they're just talking about like, man, I just have so much anger. And so we start praying for this. And as soon as we say in Jesus' name, you know, it's like the, the guy like really it takes off. Like, ugh, like just anger pouring out of him, and you know, we're all a bunch of guys there, so it's pretty easy to just grab the guy and just be like, okay, let's figure this out, and we're praying over him, and, and we see, uh, again, it's like it left, and he just like kind of collapsed and was exhausted. Another time praying with a few church leaders here in the church in a back room, praying for a woman who could see demons, who had one demon, she knew, knew its name, could see it all the time in front of her, and we prayed, and we're praying for this, and we saw, again, leave, and she's like, I don't see it anymore, I can't feel the presence, that was a really interesting one, and finally, a little while ago, uh, the wife of one of my friends calls me and says, I need you to come over right now, there's something really wrong with my husband, and I'm like, okay, so I, I hang up, I call my friend, uh, one of the guys here, and I said, hey, what are you doing right now? Nothing. Do you want to go perform an exorcism with me? That's <laughs> actually what I said. <laughs> and as soon as he realized I wasn't joking, he's like, okay. And so we go. And for the next minimum two hours, minimum two hours of just like, like from the second I walked in the door and seeing my friend's face, it's like, that's, that's not my friend. Like just the demeanor, like something in the eyes, the, the smugness on it. Like there was something different that I had never really experienced before. And it was, they're, they're not fun experiences by any means, but they're powerful because you have to be so focused on Jesus in that moment. It's like, if, if this is, any of this is me, it's not going to work. The Bible talks about that, that they'll just, they'll just beat us up or whatever, if we, but it, by, by Jesus' power. And so for, for hours, we're praying and we're digging and like, you know, reveal yourself, what's this? And it's a whole process. But again, absolute freedom by the end of that night for this person who'd been dealing with so much, and to just see what Jesus could do in very big ways. The world of our enemy, the devil, is very real to me. Very real because I've experienced very tangible, real things. And I start with this not for shock value, but because I want to establish from the start, this is real, and what we're talking about in this new series matters. It matters. Fight Club that's what we're talking about. What's the first rule of Fight Club? Anybody know? Don't talk about Fight Club. Some of you know. Why are you watching that movie? Anyways, okay. We're talking about things that nobody really wants to talk about, but we need to acknowledge. And today, I'm going to tackle the demonic, the supernatural battle for your soul that you can't even see happening. The point of the series, though, is not to focus on the evil in our world, but to acknowledge it and then redirect our attention to Jesus, who has overcome everything we're going to be talking about. 
Now, you might be saying, uh, hello, I did not vote for this Sunday morning message. I didn't pick this series. Where did I get, how come I didn't get a say in this? Can we talk about something else? I am not oppressed. I'm definitely not demon-possessed. And I'm not even sure if I believe in all that supernatural stuff. I get it. So let's see if we can all get on the same page with an illustration. I want you to imagine that uh, you, you, uh, you have a roommate, okay? You get this new roommate. And this roommate seems like a great person. Uh, you get along really well. They, they jive with you in so many things. You want to just chill and relax. They'll be as lazy as you want. You, you get fired up about stuff. They'll spur it on. They'll rant with you. Yeah, that is the worst. Oh, man. They'll, they'll, whatever it is. They have, you have fun with them uh, in so many different ways. And this roommate seems pretty good. But after a while, you start to see some signs that maybe this isn't as healthy of a relationship as I thought. Yeah, you moved in. You're with me. And, and you're my roommate. But it's starting to get a little maybe verbally abusive. It's starting to get really in your face. Uh, things that was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We're pushing the boundary. Like, yeah, I know we like to do this. But now you're, why? No, no, that's too much. Or you're, 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 you're just pushing too much on me right now. And not only that, but they're also, they live there, but they're trashing the place. This home that you, you invited them into, they're trashing it. They're, they're wrecking things. They don't care, and it's getting worse. And so, you know, even your friends and family are saying, this, this person's a bad influence. This person uh, <laughs> is a bad influence in your life. They bring out the worst in you, and I think you need to kick them out. You need to kick them out of your house. And one day, you just, you really, like, they are right there in your face, you know, whatever they're doing, they're trashing things, they're yelling at you, and, and you are, you, you've had enough. And you're like, nope, I'm done. You know what? Get out. And they look at you, and they laugh. Why would I leave? You gave me keys. I live here. You invited me in. This is my home too. You can't just kick me out. I, I'm not, what do I care what you say? You can say all you want. I'm not going anywhere. And they refuse to leave. So by your own power, you can't get rid of them. So what do you do? You call the landlord. And you call the landlord and you tell them exactly what's been going on, everything that's been happening. They're trashing the place. They're, 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 I feel unsafe. And so the landlord comes and now there's some authority. And he says, okay, enough of this, get out. And they put up a stink and they do whatever, but ultimately the landlord has the say. And the landlord grabs them, takes them, and shoves them out the door and shuts the door. Now, they shut the door, and yet the enemy, well, the enemy, the the landlord or the roommate is on the other side. I'm just going to come back in. I've still got my keys. However, the landlord knows this, so he doesn't just kick it out. He changes all the deadbolts. The key no longer works. The roommate can no longer get back in. They have been booted out. They're on the other side. He's beefing security. He's making sure they're not even supposed to be in the building. And the landlord does this and changes it and comes back and says, okay, I get that you feel alone and you feel empty here. How about this? Not only did I get rid of it, I will be your new roommate. I will be here with you. I will live for you, and I will help you. I will, I will look around. Hey, I got all the tools. I can look around, and I can look in the areas and, and make sure. Did we get everything of his stuff? 
you know, I don't want them coming back and saying, I still got stuff here, so let's look. Okay, yeah, no, let's take that. We're going to chuck that out the window. They can wait on the corner. They can grab their stuff off the curb, whatever. And he cleans house and takes up residence so you can feel safe, so that you can feel secure, so that you can feel happy. Now, he's also helpful because sometimes you forget to lock the door and you're coming and going or you're peeking out and you're like, I wonder if there's so, oh, that roommate, you know, sometimes I wonder, oh, they, they used to do the silliest things and you kind of keep, and he's like, hey, 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 you don't need them. Let's lock the door. Let's keep that shut. You don't need that. Two questions today. Who are the roommates of your heart or your mind? And what doors do you have open in your life? Christians typically don't want to think about or really even acknowledge necessarily demons and the devil. Um, they might say, yeah, sure, it's real, but I don't want to think about it too much. Non-Christians, it's just a joke to them, right? Ah, oh, that's Hollywood, that's whatever. Uh, it, it, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 tells us this. The evil god of this age, the devil, has blinded the minds of unbelievers. They can't see even what's really happening around them. Maybe you've heard the movie quote, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. But if you are here and you believe in Jesus and you believe what he says, if you would say, I'm a Christ follower, I believe the word of God, I believe in Jesus, then you have to and you should take this seriously and believe in the reality of the devil and demons. Jesus talked about demons a lot. He smack-talked the devil constantly, referring to him as the father of lies. And he didn't do this metaphorically. He spoke as if they were real. And if Jesus is the real I believe they're real, even if you haven't had the same experiences I have. Look how Peter, one of Jesus' followers, describes the enemy. He says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be disciplined and stay on guard. Your enemy, the devil, is prowling around outside like a roaring lion, just waiting and hoping for the chance to devour someone. Waiting and hoping for the chance to devour something. I've got some different resources I'll kind of talk about today, but in, I, I want to read something. This is just a little excerpt that I thought was how I kind of summed up. Basically, the, the origin story of our, of our enemy. This is from a book that I wrote uh, for middle grade, uh, Ninjas with Feathers, and it's the story of a girl uh, who meets her guardian angel, has to go on a mission to uh, fight a demon and a whole bunch of other stuff. And anyways, there's a conversation they have, and I just want to read this little excerpt. Um, it goes like this, and so uh, she's talking to her angel, who is Joff, is his name, and says, who is our enemy, asked Joff. The devil, Lucifer, I said, although I didn't like talking about him. Yes, Lucifer tried to become greater than the commander and gathered some other angels for battle. Whoa, God and the devil fought? Joff laughed. I wouldn't call it a fight. Nobody can match the power of the commander. Lucifer immediately got kicked out of heaven, and all his fallen angels went with him. Now you call them demons. They have no love in them. All they have is hate, and they want to hurt the commander. They know the only way to do that is to hurt his kids. So they try to trick you and lie to you and keep you away from your heavenly father. Our enemy will do anything he can to get in the door of your life. He is looking, he is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for opportunities where you might open a door to him in some way so he can come in and set up residence in your life. 
And we're going to talk about some of the different ways that happens. But he ultimately, he doesn't care about you. He just wants to get in your space so that you take your eyes and your focus off of God. That's all he cares about. That's all he cares about. Now, however, before you get worried and think, uh-oh, that means like the devil's going to like kick in the door of my life and like just storm in and, oh, what am I going to do? You need to remember, this is not a fair fight. This is not a fair fight. First John, or John 1, 5 says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. God and Satan, they are not, this is not a, in a battle of equal forces. Light and dark are, dark are not equal opposites. Darkness is simply the absence of light. Can you guys do that for a minute? Kill all the lights for a second. Okay, all back on. When light appears, darkness doesn't kind of like get peeled back a little bit layer by layer or like have to be scrubbed away. It just simply is gone. Because in the presence of light, darkness no longer exists. It cannot be there. This is, this is the perspective we need to see. It is not like in a moment transformation can happen. Jesus is so much greater than anything that comes against us. So, we need to remember our enemy is a defeated foe. His authority has been stripped and he relies on the manipulation and he relies on manipulation and deceit to get a hold of us and to find ways into our life. What doors can he get in? And really, demons only work by permission, the permission that we give them. You're like, well, I have never said, hey demon, you can walk on in. No. But we're going to look at ways that we do open the door and we do give permission. Our enemy has plans and strategies for your life. He knows you, and he's plotting to take you down. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, It's my duty to make sure that Satan does not win even a small victory over us, for we don't want to be naive and then fall prey to his schemes. He has schemes, he has plans, and we don't want to be naive. And we can be naive in many different ways. La, 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 I don't want to talk about this, so it's not even real. And yet they're right there, the psycho roommate, right here, yelling, wrecking the house. And you're just like, you're not here, it's just me. We could do that. Does that make it true? No. You got a psycho roommate living with you, and you can't just ignore them. So, what we're going to do is we're going to shine some light, okay? We're going to shine, yeah, yeah. We're going to shine some light on areas and schemes of darkness where they try to get in the door. And we're going to learn how to fight back. And so uh, these, uh, I'm just going to share some quick examples from a book I read. This book was crazy uh, about uh, this guy's experiences are way crazier than mine. But uh, Indestructible by Blake Healy. Uh, he has some really powerful uh, ways that the enemy tries to get in and, and through these doors. The first one is shame. How many of you have ever done something stupid? You put your hand up before I even finish answering the question. <laughs> or ask the question. Wow, okay. Now, guilt is about what we did. That was dumb. That was bad. Shame is about who we are. You are bad. Shame attacks our identity. Signs that you maybe have opened the door to shame. Recalling certain memories makes you feel just as guilty as when they first happened. You often feel judged or condemned by others. Anytime you try something new or beneficial, a little voice in the back of your mind says that you are going to fail and brings up memories of failures of your past. Another way that something might try and come in is distraction. 
Now, distraction is not about what you're being distracted with. Typically, they're not even with bad things, per se. It's about what you're being distracted from. Signs that you maybe have opened the door to distraction. You are consistently disappointed with where you spend your attention and time. You feel stagnant in the pursuit of your destiny and goals. Your thought life is often hijacked by worry, frustration, confusion, or endless processing. Maybe you got a checklist going already, and you're like, oh, wow, maybe that is in me. Another thing that's going to try and come through your door is fear. Fear loves to come on in and take residence in your life. Fear cripples us, and it stops us from acting, and that's all the devil really cares about. A paralyzed Christian is no longer a threat to the kingdom of darkness. If you are paralyzed, you're useless. You can't do anything to expel it, so that's all he cares about. Signs that you've maybe opened the door to fear. You experience bouts of terror on a regular basis. You worry about something bad happening to your family multiple times a week. You've had a hard time experiencing hope for the future. Another one, and there's so many, but another one is lies. What lies, and we've all, we're all guilty of this, what lies have we chosen to believe in our lives? In our lives? Grade two, the teacher who said, you're stupid. And so you just believe that the rest of your life. High school, the kid who said you're a loser and can't get a date, and so you either don't even try or you overcompensated, right? Maybe you betrayed someone and inside you tell yourself, I'm not trustworthy. Or maybe last year you lost a job and now you believe, I'm a failure. It doesn't matter. This is important. It doesn't matter if the lie is absolutely ridiculous, has a grain of truth, or is even like 98% true. If the enemy said it, it will not be helpful to you. Doesn't matter how well they paint that lie and you're like, is that true? Is that true about this person? Is that true about God? Is that it doesn't matter. If the enemy is saying it, it has no value. Do not listen. Do not listen. We need to wake up. Who are the roommates of our heart and our life? Who have we opened the door for? We open the door for things. What have we opened, and what doors do we have open in our life? And so you might be like, okay, that's great. Okay, I figured out. I did the checklist. Yeah, I know who those people are. And I'm like, all right, in Jesus' name, get out. Kick them out the door. I'm done, right? I'm good? Well, you can't just kick them out the door. Remember, they have keys. You can't just say, uh, I don't want to be afraid anymore. The end. They still have keys. You gave them something that allowed them to plant some roots, stay. They don't have to go anywhere. So there's more to it than that. you got to change the locks. Well, you got to let Jesus change the locks by being close to him. You need to change the atmosphere of this place. The, the, the locks are changed. The atmosphere in this place is changed. It's been purged of anything that shouldn't be there. And Jesus is looking around, and he's done some good inspections. He's got everything out that shouldn't be there. And he's changed the atmosphere so much that I don't even know if they would want to come back in. Like, if they tried, it's like, whoa, like, you, you switch the air freshener. I don't know what's a good analogy there, but somewhere they're just like, whoa, I don't even know if I can be here anymore. I, uh, I listened to a podcast called The Exorcist Files, which I can't necessarily recommend. It is not for the faint of heart, um, but I really like it. And uh, it's uh, the Vatican's head exorcist, Father's, Father Carlos Martins, sharing real accounts of decades of exorcisms that he's performed. Again, I'm not necessarily recommending it. It is, ugh. But he says this, and I think this is really important. He says the job of an exorcist is not to cast out the devil. 
The job of an exorcist is to find out why the devil is there, what rights he has gained, and work with the victim to rescind or take back those rights. It's not just, hey, get out of here. It's, wait a minute, why are you here? How did you get in? Why are you here? And what do we need to do to take away those keys in your life from this person? So you might not need to call an actual exorcist. I hope you don't. But we all need Jesus, and we need him to expose things in our life where we don't often look, oh, what's up in that corner? Oh, I've never looked there before. Oh, that could use some cleaning. Oh, that tried to hide there. We need to allow Jesus to do some real deep cleaning, and we need to stop and ask some big questions. Why do I keep battling this addiction? Why does fear never seem to leave? How did you get in here? That's a really good question. That sometimes we need to stop. That thing that you know, you, you know what it is already. You're sitting there the whole time. You already know what, what it is. How did you get in here? And how do I get the keys away from you? How do I take away your keys? How did you become my roommate? So where are you leaving the door open, even though you may have prayed, prayed a prayer? We might still, you might, have, you might have prayed a prayer, get out of here, whatever. But if you don't shut the door or you keep opening it, guess what? Guess who's still on the other side, right? You shut the door, but if you just prop it back open for whatever reason, they're ready to come right back in. Do you struggle with fear? Maybe stop watching horror movies. And for God's sake, please burn your Ouija board if you have a Ouija board. I'm not kidding. That is like a portal to hell. It is, that stuff is really demonic. And we don't, you can go to Toys R Us and buy a Barbie version Ouija board. Oh, the enemy is good at what he does. Oh, I hate the devil. Oh, I do. Barbie Ouija board for some little girl who is literally opening a door to a conversation with a demon? Oh, that pisses me off. Ah! Do you struggle with anger? Maybe stop reading the internet comment sections. <laughs> Or stop watching polarizing YouTube videos for the far left or the far right, wherever you are, and be like, I just need my opinion. Yeah, yeah, they are the worst. That is not helping you. I remember praying for someone who had shoulder pain, and uh, we were praying, and uh, all of a sudden they're like, it's gone. I was like, yes, that's awesome. They're like, well, yeah, but uh, like my hip hurts all of a sudden now. I was like, okay, that's weird. Well, we can pray for your hip. So we start praying for the hip. And he's like, uh, now it's not there anymore. It's in my knee. I was like, what on earth is happening? It jumps around. The, the pain literally jumped around four or five times. And I stopped. And I felt God say, you need to ask him a question. And I looked him in the eyes and I said, do you have somebody you need to forgive? And he like broke down. And He's like, yeah, I have a family member that I just, like, I can't stop thinking about. I need to forgive. And we prayed a prayer of forgiveness. And as soon as he finished his prayer, all the pain in his body was gone. Sometimes there's more going on than we realize. There can be a lot more going on than we realize. And we need to fight. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says we have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We need to take captive the things that are trying to come in. Okay? Take captive. It's an aggressive uh, thing you got to do. You got to be hyper aware and acknowledge your feelings, your cravings. Man, I feel depressed today. I'm really angry right now. I want to look at something inappropriate. And then you need to make it obedient to Christ. J- 
Jesus isn't going to do all the work for you. I'm going to hand this over to his authority. I'm going to replace with his truth. I'm not depressed. Anger doesn't control me. I don't have to give in to that craving. And in the name of Jesus, I'm confident. I have peace. And I don't want to look at that. And we need to pray in the name of Jesus. I've said it many times, but there, the enemy will not respond to you. In the name of Andrew Dirksen, get out of here. Sorry, dude. It's not going to work. You've got to call on the name of Jesus. How do you do that? This is a great tool. And you're like, that's a little kid's book. Absolutely it is. Uh, this is written by my wife's aunt, Diane Layton, who, by the way, has, I think, the best motto, and it's a motto we use over in kids' class. I would rather build kids than renovate adults. And I love that. <laughs> that is what she always said. And if we can teach kids at an early age to not have to live in fear and how to rely on Jesus, they will be much stronger. If you want to put up the picture of it, this is, this is the prayer through a song that they say, Ooky pooky spooky fear, you have no right to come near. In the king's name you get out of here, fear be gone. And they're kicking some dragon butt throughout the book. And, it, you know, yes, of course, it's geared towards kids, but the prayer of that is so true. In the name of Jesus, get out of here you got to call on the name of Jesus if anything is actually going to change and we want to live in freedom. So, how do we live a life of freedom and strength? How do we keep track of all the tactics? It seems so overwhelming sometimes, but I want to tell you, how can you tell the difference if this is a real bill or a counterfeit bill? Do you know how? Here's the, I found this really interesting. Bankers generally don't bother studying counterfeit bills, uh, because the methods of counter, that counterfeiters use, they change all the time. They're hard to keep track of. So what they do is they intimately get to know what a real bill feels like and moves like and bends like. And they just, so that so much, so that when they feel something that is inauthentic, they immediately can tell. They might not be able to tell you exactly what's different, but they just know. And it's the same for us. If we want to be free from the attacks of the enemy, do not study the enemy. That is not the point of this series or anything else. Become intimately familiar with truth, with God, his nature, his ways. That is what we need. You know, in the few times that I've performed exorcism, if I want to call it that, uh, I needed three things going in. A protected spirit, the word of God, and physical backup. And what do we need daily? The same things. We need a relationship with Jesus to guard our heart. We need the Bible and we need community. You need a daily relationship with Jesus. I mean, read Galatians 5. What does life in the Spirit look like? Read Ephesians 6, the armor of God and needing to put that on every day. You need the Word of God. You need the Bible. That sort of the Spirit that like Jesus did with the devil in Luke chapter 4. He used the Word of God to repel what came against him. And we need community. I mean, even preparing for this message, I was constantly messaging with my guys group. Thank you, Bible with the guys. I love you guys. They, I know many of them even today are in the room praying because I've asked them to. And they were, I was like, would you pray for me? And just like powerful prayers. We need community. Because here's the thing too. If you hang out with a bunch of people who let Jesus shine their light in their life, guess what? They might be hanging out with you one day at your place and they'll be like, hey, did you notice that over there? Oh, I never noticed. I never shined my light there. Oh, I just, I love you, man. I was looking around, and I just know, do you want, you, I don't know if you want that there. Are you sure you want that in your life? Oh, thanks, actually. Or maybe you're seeing and hearing their stories of, man, I did this, and I shined this, and God did this to me, and then you go, hey, I wonder if I have something like that over there, and you go, and you take a peek. Community will make the difference. We're not supposed to do this alone, and we do this to carry on the mission of Jesus to his world. 
We have been freed so that we can bring freedom to others. Matthew 5, 14 to 16 says, You are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You're the light of the world. And the brighter you shine, the easier people will see Christ's light. And we start by doing the hard work of cleaning our house, removing the things that shouldn't be there. And we, how do we do that? By one of the toughest and most uncomfortable verses in the Bible. Psalm 139, 23 to 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and then lead me in the way everlasting. Huh. Look at that. I'm still offended. Huh. I'm so anxious. Wow, I'm really struggling with my identity. As I acknowledge this, maybe I can do something about this. Now, as we get ready to kind of wrap this up, I had so much to say, but there's so much to this. You know, you might be sitting here and be like, I've done that. I've prayed the prayers. I've, I've done all that. And yet I still feel like I hear the voices. I still feel like those things are oppressing me. I want to remind you that if you really did hand those things over to Jesus, he really did change the locks on your door. And the only reason you hear it is not because the enemy has the right to get in your face anymore. It's because, well, let's shut they're on the other side of the door. Hey, 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 you miss me. Remember all the fun we used to have? Oh, those were good times. Don't you want to hang out again? Come on, let me in. You know you want to. But the difference is they don't have the right anymore. You've kicked them out, and those voices might be there. They, they might never be gone. That addiction might all, that craving might always be sitting there in the back of your mind, itching at you but it doesn't have a hold on you anymore. There is a difference, and so it's okay to acknowledge, I still have those feelings, those cravings, those thoughts. The difference is they don't own you. They have no right. Jesus kicked them out. It is worth celebrating, and you need to remind yourself of that often, especially if you've prayed those kind of prayers. I'll end with this last analogy. If you've ever seen the movie A Beautiful Mind, it's a great movie, I'm going to ruin the ending for you. Uh, The main character is a brilliant mathematician who also, we find out, has schizophrenia and has three imaginary friends that that we find out they don't even exist. And so when he learns that they don't exist, he has to train himself to ignore them. And they do a good job. You know, the characters are there talking to him, and he's just trying to, like, come on, John, this is ridiculous. Just talk to us. And he's, no, I can't, I can't, I can't. And so anyways, years later, He's walking with a friend, a real friend, who's a physical person, and uh, he says, can I ask you a question? Are they gone? And he looks over. All three of them are just walking, staring at him. Silent, but just staring at him. And he goes, no. And maybe they never will be. But I've gotten used to ignoring them. And I think as a result, they've kind of given up on me. That past addiction, it may linger. That depression may be lurking in the background, but they don't have hold on And as a Christ follower, you are not fighting for victory. You're fighting from victory. Can we stand up today? We fight from victory. Jesus has already won our victory on the cross. He has defeated all of those things. They have no power. They can only lie and try and trick their way back in. 
but Colossians 2.15 says Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness, stripping them away, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. And by the power of the cross, Jesus led them around as prisoners in a procession of triumph. He was not their prisoner. They were his. They were his. Now, as we get ready to pray for all of us, I've been here many times. I have opened this doors way more times than I wish to admit. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, oh, I've never even thought about shutting that door. I've shut that door so many times I just keep opening it again. I am so grateful that we have a landlord, Lord, <laughs> landlord, who is so gracious, willing to come in. Hey, do I need to change the locks again? Do I need to do something else? You, you want me to do another sweep? I'll look around, whatever it is. Who is full of grace and mercy. <laughs> that we don't deserve, and yet he says, I will gladly do that for you. I want freedom for your life. So we're going to pray. I just want to encourage you as we get ready to pray too, that there are many tools to freedom. You might benefit from specific prayer. Maybe we can pray for you after or whatever and cast some things off and that might be a thing. You might benefit from Christian counseling. Christian counseling. Oh, Holy Spirit-led counselors are a blessing from the Lord. They are so and oh, they're amazing. You may benefit from maybe even some practical things. Maybe you need to change your diet or sleep habits or stop scrolling till 4 a.m. Maybe that's playing a factor. You may need resources. Uh, there's a picture of just some, some books, some I talked about, uh, that are just great resources that might help with this as well. But ultimately, all of these are just ways that we can submit to God and end with this, James 4, 7. So submit yourselves to the one true God and fight, fight club. Let's fight against the devil and his schemes. If you do... He will run away in failure at the end. Let's pray. I just want to invite you to close your eyes. And let's just take a moment. Because the only way, we've got to let the landlord do it. He's the only one who can change things. And so, I'm just going to pray over us. And maybe you want, even want to just join me in a prayer. Why don't you just say, Jesus, thank you that you love me enough to come on in, to kick out the things that don't belong in my life, to shine light in dark places, to make me new, to give me freedom so I can reflect that light and that freedom to a world around me who doesn't even know that they're trapped. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We hope today's message encouraged you. If you want to take your next step in saying yes to Jesus, you can always contact us at cty.lc slash next step or fill out the next step section on the City Life app. It's an honor to play a small part in what God is doing in your life. We look forward to connecting with you soon.